just glides inside 50 and hammers it home. Whiteman over his head. Cody Whiteman's kick a miracle goal. Looking for Van He can go all the way. Straight man to hit the front. For 10 goals, they call him. Welcome to the Salty Bulldog, the podcast that's going to put up its hand and concede that the Premiership race is over, following Essendon's grand final triumph in February last week. My name is Matthew Donald. I have the great man Nick Galea alongside me as I do every other week. Before I introduce you, though, to Nicholas, I just need to remind you, of course, that the Salty Bulldog podcast is available for everyone wherever you get your podcasts throughout the year, of course, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And there's also our social media channels as well, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and our website, www.thesaltybulldog.wixsite.com forward slash home. Nick, as I welcome you to the, the program, how good is it to have football back? We were both not able to, or at least I certainly wasn't able to watch it last week. But still, the fact is that it is back in this context, you know, in the AFL scheme of things, it's... It's a wonderful thing to have, isn't it? You know, it's something else that now we can put our attention to, put all of our frustration and venting and and all those types of uh, wonderful things that comes with supporting the Western Bulldogs, you know. And I am looking forward to having more chips at the footy and, and being able to, to watch our beloved Bulldogs once again in action. You know, we haven't been able to attend a game, obviously, for, you know, for reasons uh, since, what was it, round 16? Well, since me, for me, it was round 16. You might have been round 17, perhaps. Uh, so the last game I went to was the second match against North Melbourne. Ah, oh, so it was round 16 with me too. So Brad must have been able to head down to the Sydney game, perhaps. Probably. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You were you were at work on the for the Swans game and I was coming back yep. from Coburg and I was doing the socials that day. Wonderful. All right. Now, just um, uh, got a special announcement to make, Nick. Uh, just before we, we go any, any further, got a How really special, special announcement. This is pretty special. Uh, so for our loyal listeners who were following us last year, you will remember the one-off live episode that we did with uh, Footy Live, which is, a, which is a football app, Australian rules football app, made by Sportsmate Technologies. Uh, they, uh, it's, it's a wonderful app. I think it's, it's honestly, hand on heart, it's my favourite football app. You get access to all the live scores, all, all the stats for a variety of different football leagues. And we're teaming up again with them for a season-long partnership in 2022. So wherever you get your podcasts, I know I've, I've um, spruced Spotify and Apple Podcasts a lot. You'll also be able to get the Salty Bulldog podcast on the Footy Live app in the podcast section this year. Every single episode is going to go through there. And there'll also be special one-off episodes that uh, take place over the course of the year. So we've done a pre-season uh, episode we recorded that a little earlier and that will be on there as well very soon so really excited to be teaming up with uh with the guys at Sportsmate. it's going to be it's going to be a fantastic partnership i reckon mm. best uh, application out there of course for your stats whether it is at the afl level and straight through to the vfl as well as you know vflw and along those um you know different comps there too so yep, they do a great job at footy live and yeah as you mentioned then you know fantastic to be able to you know uh, be in a partnership with them and, you know, looking forward to seeing how this season goes for, for both of us. 
So if you've got that app uh, as well, be sure to uh, be sure to check out the Salty Bulldog podcast. And look, if uh, body rules doesn't tickle your fancy, or you've got other sports, they've also got uh, rugby league, NFL, basketball, uh, Premier League as well, A League. They've got all kinds of different sports. So it's not just limited to, to Aussie rules football. They've got a whole bunch of different sports. So be sure to download those apps. Wanted to get that out of the way. To I suppose it's a promotion of sorts, uh, but we're just really excited to be teaming up with them for, for 2022. But enough of the housekeeping. Let's get uh, actually no before before we do. I've got to got to warn the the listeners. So I've had some real technology issues over the past few days, uh, unfortunately. So I've had uh, my computer and, and my phone um, in particular have been playing up. They've been um, spouting out random sort of code and text and and numbers that that have no real meaning to it so if that does happen during the recording i do apologize obviously want to make sure that uh, that we can avoid that where possible maybe i'll try and try and edit it out where i can but just bear in mind that the that something may play up and, and just read out some random sort of sequence of numbers throughout the episode Six thousand three hundred and eighty-one. Oh, there it goes again now I've, I've got no idea what 6,381 is a, is a reference You gave to me it. a heart attack there thinking about that. Now I can see where you're getting at. Well done. I, 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 don't, I don't know what, whether you think I am getting at anything. That was just, I, I mean, that's the sort of thing it's been doing all the time, just reading out random numbers. I'm not sure if it's a reference to anything, but we'll, we'll move on. We'll, we'll power on uh, through with it. And uh, we'll, Only we'll the true what... believers will understand those numbers right there. <laughs> so let's get straight into the football. So AFL... But the men's league was back uh, in, in an unofficial sense, of course. It's still only practice matches, but it is good to have it back, of course. It's that, that time of the year. I was, I was made fun of a little bit at work for getting so up and about with it all, but I think the, the, the true fans really do want to sit down and watch these games. Nick, I don't know about you. I don't know whether you were able to, but I was fortunate enough to be able to, to watch it. So I got, to, I got a really good view of the game, as it were. Didn't get to go. We had our scout. Uh, we'll, we'll keep his we identity did. secret. We, did we had a scout. a scout on site. Was he wearing a cape? Probably not. Scouts don't wear capes. Scouts don't wear capes, Nick. Don't be ridiculous. So let's get through the nitty-gritty of the numbers as we do with every match. So 12-9-81-2, we think 11-9-75. The folks at uh, KO forgot to add a point, I think. So it was a six-point uh, premiership win to the Bombers. So congratulations to them. They've uh, finally broken their finals curse. They've now beaten us in two of the past three games. Clearly the hoodoo was over. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's all great for Essendon. So they've won the premiership in February. Not only that, they also won the game with a, uh, thanks to a player who wasn't even on their books at the time. So it's all going well down at Tulverine at the moment. It's all coming uh, Jay- up in the house. Jason Johannesson led the way with three goals. Aaron Norton kicked a couple. Singles to Hannon, Martin, Hunter, Bontempelli, Trelaw, and Vandermeer. Now, I've not got confirmation that these numbers are completely accurate, um, but we've got uh, we've got great belief that they've got to be fairly close to the mark. Josh Dunkley with 35 disposals. Jack McRae with 33. Bailey Dale with 30. Hunter, 29. And Trelaw, 27. Uh, some notable names who weren't appearing very high on the stat sheet. Bontempelli and Daniel, both withdrawn at half time, uh, just to rest their legs. Uh, Trelaw was rested in the third quarter, uh, from my understanding. Nick, how much of the game did you actually get to see? Uh, uh, zero, zero, zero minutes, nothing yeah. at all. I was, uh, oh, great. 
I was at uh, my second day on my I new job, just, so I can't really uh, ditch that, can I now? So. so I might just wave you out and bring in our scout. <laughs> yes, let's get the scouts on, please. Shall we reveal the identity or not? No, nah, no, nah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep, 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 keep him a secret. We, we don't want him to be bombarded with uh, just just yet. We'll sort of a, we'll, it gets a bit interesting work when they bombard him, though, doesn't it? it? It does get a bit funny when it happens. At least to me, it doesn't, yeah. So you haven't seen anything. You haven't been able to watch a replay of it. You haven't been able to watch highlights of it. Not a peep, my friend. All right. Well, looks like the captain. I'm going via the numbers. Okay. The captain of the Salty Bulldog is going to have to do all the heavy lifting today. Are you wearing sleeves is the question. I am wearing sleeves. He is. Look at it. Loud and proud. I know full well what I'm doing. So luckily for you, Nicholas Square, the man who knows all, sees all except practice matches, apparently. Uh, I'm going to go through uh, my match notes. I've got a little notebook here, and as I was watching the game, uh, I was taking notes. So this is what I noticed, and I'll I'll go through it quarter by quarter. not read a whole heap, uh, but uh, these are the key takeaways that I've taken from the match. So Educate uh, me. First quarter, Norton's set shots continue to be wayward. He had a shot very early on in the game, like in the first couple of minutes. 30, got, 38, I actually got my hopes up there for a second. Missed. Josh Shackey played on Peter Wright. Started the game on Peter Wright. That's something I noticed as well. So Shackey, someone we've spoken a fair bit about, where will they play him? What will they do with him? He started in the back line on Wright. Seven Wright marks. scoreless. Seven marks for Shaq. I found this interesting here because normally he's a pretty gentle player in, in this context. Three frees against. Did you see any of those? Not, not off the top of my head. Not I off wonder. The top of my head. Aggressive Shaggy. Uh, now, delivery out of defence, I thought was a real concern. So uh, Essendon kicked one goal five in, in the opening term. So they were they were wayward in front of goal. So it was one five to, to two four at quarter time. Martin and Hannon kicking the, the two goals for the Bulldogs. I think Nick Hine kicked Essendon's goal. So we had repeat opportunities to get the ball out of the fence, but really struggled to hit targets. And we had some good names down there. We had Bailey Dale and we had Caleb Daniel bringing it out of the fence. They really struggled. Uh, I don't know whether that was down to us or whether that was down to Essendon being well set up. I think it was more the latter. But that's something that I did notice, that uh, that getting the ball out of the fence was a real struggle. And it sort of uh, it sort of carried on into the second term, further up the ground. There looked like there was a fair bit of disconnect from line to line. Now, often midfield going into the forward line has been a bit of an issue for the last couple of years um, for the Bulldogs. It looked like it was sort of rearing its ugly head again. It looked like we were really sort of struggling. And there's a new forward and, and midfield coach as well, which we've alluded to earlier in the year. But it just looked like that disconnect. Again, uh, I have to say, Essendon's key backs in Ridley and Kelly had things well set up. And we've well also, well, not for now, I won't stop you here properly, but we've also got some numbers as per usual, of course. So looking forward to putting those out there very shortly. The other one I've got here is that there was a real reluctance that I saw throughout the game for the Bulldogs to kick it long. Now, I don't know whether this is all that different to how they've played last year, but short kicks and hand passes were the order of the day. There were very few long kicks coming out of the fence, going through the midfield, then going forward. It was short kicks and hand passes seemed to be what the Bulldogs were really trying to do. Bruce is a big miss. He's a big loss. 
that was really evident as well. That was the other thing I noticed. So Norton was presenting really well. He kicked a couple of goals. He was taking some marks and, and looking really strong, but he had no help. Mm. Uh, and, and I can just see that right here with that. Once you brought that up right there, my eyes were just, you know, guiding right down to defensive 50 marks and defensive 50 intercept marks for, for both sides. So it's got us taking two 50 marks and the Bombers, seven of them. But what it has here is Essendon are able to take 17 defensive 50 intercept marks compared to yeah. our seven. And there's your absence of Josh Bruce straight away. Yeah. The other thing I noticed as well, and these are the same sort of problems that we've had last year, not just in the grand final, but uh, all through last season. Two goals in the last two minutes of the second term. I did notice that. And what we had a four-point lead uh, at halftime, but you know, when it could have been 16, and we were only losing by a kick. Those sort of things continuing to, to present themselves again is a real concern. Uh, the third term, I was, I was being drawn away slightly from focusing my entire attention on the game, but I did notice that our best moves came on the counter-attack. So sort of playing that slingshot role. So Essendon were doing fairly well in the midfield. Not that we weren't getting clearances, but our best looks at it were when we were coming out of defence rather than, than coming through the midfield. So I thought Johannesson was very lively and probably could have been a little bit more clinical. I think he kicked three goals, three. And there were a couple of other opportunities where he, he had, had better kicks, could have set up teammates for, for easy goals as well. Trelaw was amazing in the third term. He was amazing. He he stole the show in the third term. Well, he was best on ground by a mile in that third term. No Bontempelli, no Daniel, but he just he just took control. He said, "Come with me, I'll I'll lead the way." He was excellent. And he kicked, and he capped it off with a brilliant goal from the boundary line. Remember the, the one he kicked against Carlton last year? Very similar, very similar um, to that one. What have I got here in the last uh, term? So, as I said, no Bont, Daniel, or Traor for the last quarter. Essendon overran us in the end. Uh, that's that's what I took away from from that. It just looked like it. I think we had a we had a two or three goal lead, and they they erased it within five minutes and started that last term. Essendon were able to outrun the game better than we were, but you know it's worth acknowledging that there were a fair few players that didn't have no Bont, no Daniel, no Trelaw. I loved Arthur Jones's cameo in the second half. I don't know if he played much in the first half, but in the second half, every time he got near the ball. He picked it up very cleanly and he used it very well. So his first touch was a clean pickup and he hit English on the chest and then English put the ball to grass, of course. But then there was another moment where he's in the last term where he sidestepped a, a man, Jones, running inside 50 and then he set up Johannesson in the goal square uh, for one of his two goals in the last quarter. And we've loved what Arthur Jones brings. I mean, we've seen, pardon me, we've seen a few of his clips not a high possession winner, but uh, but has a high impact. He's sort of one of those players that will pick up the ball occasionally, but every time he does, he'll do something with it. High impact sort of player, and you need a few of those. Uh, as I said, JJ, the only goal scorer in the last term, he kicked two goals. Jamara Ugal Hagen recorded his first kick halfway during the last term. He only had two disposals for the match. Desperately quiet performance from the former number one draft pick, unfortunately. 
and I've got here as well now, this is to be confirmed, Cody Waitman um, received police escort to and from Essendon's uh, home crowd. I've still got to do a bit of digging into that one, but I'm told he's not very popular down there <laughs> at the moment. But that's my... They're just basically all the notes that I wrote down throughout the, the afternoon. I know there's other things that I've, I've missed out on. I didn't even mention um, Ed Richards, um, which I'm, I'm sure we'll discuss uh, a little later on. I didn't mention him, but I did as a, just sort of closing my little notebook. Now, I did notice him playing off the halfback line and, and having a real impact. In fact, he was one of the few players that wasn't afraid to kick it long. Um, but that's what I've got for the uh, – that's what I've got. That's what I took away from the game – Last Wednesday, I think it was. Was it last Wednesday or was it last Tuesday? Last Wednesday, I believe. Last Wednesday. So what have we got here? Actually, let's see what I can find. Um, again, this is me coming not from attending the match or being able to even watch it. But again, some numbers on this. So we've got the, what have we got? The traditional centre bounce attendance, okay? Uh, we've got Tom Lepatori with 21, Jackson McRae with 19, Josh Dunkley and Stephen Marson, 16 and 15. In that regard, Tim English, 11. We've got Adam Trelaw with nine. The Bonds with six. Lockie Hunter. So this is, again, center bounce. So that does count wing yep. position starts. He only had five, which is very interesting. Remember how we started off last year early on in the season, playing a lot higher up the ground, and then they started yep. to filter him back towards the, the second half of the games. And we've got McComb having two starts as well. On the set of bounce attendance. Uh, what that really interests me is Bond and Pelly. Now I know he only played a half, but there were eleven goals kicked in the in the half. Uh, one of them was kicked on the siren, so let's say that's ten restarts plus the two to start the game. That's twelve. He's only at the center for half of them. Yep, that six of those. Yep. He's low. That seems pretty low. I've got something here which might actually potentially surprise you. It certainly surprises me whilst looking at it. So we've got the ruck contests here. Okay, they've both been split 35 apiece for Martin and English. They've both had, you know, 17 hitouts apiece. Hitouts to advantage, we've got Martin with nine and Tim English with four. Surprisingly, though, the Dogs actually won that uh, won that statistical category 13 to three hitout to advantage. That is really, really unique considering how we normally are, where we normally get that, sourced in that department. Yeah. No, that is, that is a real shock, actually. That's what about if I told you first possession? Given that we've not been... What about it? First possessions, we've got double, though. So this is first possession from, of course, the Ruck Contest or at any particular clearance situation. 43 to 21 in our favour. So it says we're getting plenty of the ball there. So I don't know what in God's name they happen to do with it from the clearances too. Had another 15 more on top of the Bombers. I said, I'm saying this without even watching the game. So hopefully someone can clarify it up there. For someone who does, for someone who has watched the game, that does surprise me. I thought the midfield, the midfield contest was a lot more even than Mm -hmm. that shows. That's what it shows here. I I would have thought it was, yeah. I would have thought it was about about half and half. Mm. So we've got 38 clearances to 23, but this is, again, courtesy of Champion Data, all these uh, numbers. So 38 to 23 clearances, but, you know, there's clearances and there's clearances, isn't there? And on the effective yeah, scales, yeah. we had 24 to 21, so far more tightened up in that in that regard there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. No, that, that is true, but in just in terms of raw numbers, I wouldn't have expected us to be leading by 15 
that that does surprise me. Does it surprise you How- in terms of saying about Norton? Does it surprise you yeah. that so he had he was targeted fourteen times inside fifty, but we also bombed the ball or rush kicked it inside fifty another fourteen occasions. Does that surprise you, or does it not? So just go again. So targeted Norton thirteen times. At fourteen times, and then the same times. amount, same amount of entries were targeted to specifically no one, or they were just bombed in board. Specifically, no one. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't even. It doesn't even. There's an option more. Yeah, specifically. Oh God, there we go. We can add that to the list of. He's kicked things. it directly. No one. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting he's though. Yeah, straight down the throat on nobody. I wonder how that happens, especially with the particular midfield we've got and certain that, ball users. Fourteen times that, inside fifty, not to a particular target. That doesn't surprise me. It really felt like Norton or Bust going forward. Mm. Whiteman seven, Lockie Hunter and Jamara. They didn't feel like there was. A, they, it didn't. Yeah, well, uh, I think two of those with Hunter occurred within a couple of minutes. He uh-huh. missed one. He got a fifty-meter penalty to kick the other. Uh-huh. We've got English Hannon McRae, uh, Steph Martin on two apiece, and JJ and Trelaw one. So this is again Martin targets spent inside a bit of time 50. forward. Supposedly, well, he wasn't rucking. He spent a bit of time forward. I wish we had his heat maps on where he was playing. United sound only only preseason. Uh, three three score involvements for for Steph Martin. Uh, the Bond, who of course only played half a game, had five. Bailey Dale is an interesting one right here, of course, too. Uh, seven score involvements, twenty three kicks, twenty nine touches, ninety uh, percent disposal efficiency. This is interesting though for him. Nine contested possessions, which is normally not what he would be reaching, and of course the traditional ten rebounds. Very pleasing is Johannesson yeah. with nine score involvements of his 18 possessions. So he's getting pretty busy. That's I like Johannesson's game. Actually. I, I, I did like Johannesson's game. I, I think that that's probably one of the best games I've seen play as that sort of half forward. That when was, you think about it, Jesus. three of his last four games actually been pretty good. I wonder when was the last Bruce. time. When do you think the last time, because I don't know this, but when do you suppose was the last time he reached 500 plus metres gained in, in a match of any sort? I don't think he's done it since he went forward. So that'd yeah. be at least three seasons. Well, he ticked over 511 here. We've got Arthur Jones, uh, 10 touches. Uh, what's he got? Six uncontested possessions, three marks. We've got five inside 50s of those. That's very interesting. You know, So he's a bit busy playing a bit higher up the ground. Uh, just the one score involvement, though, but 280 metres gained in that regard there, it was too. A, that so, was a goal assist, though. That oh, was it now? It was a goal assist, yeah. Okay. Well, it says that he's still – he's not willing to take the chippy passes, but, you know, he's still trying to to push the ball forward. So that's very aggressive ball movement from him, isn't it, for a, a debutante of sorts in a practice match, and if we can use those yeah. terms. But, yeah, five inside 50s for him of his 10 disposals, eight kicks. I wonder, I wonder if those two, Johannesson and Jones, are vying for the same sort of half-forward role. That's not a bad that's not a bad catch right there. Good call. Because we discussed that earlier today, but I didn't think we focused a bit on JJ. That's no, something to watch I, I out thought, for. That's something to watch out I, for, though. I did like Johannesson's game. You know, I thought he I thought he played very well. Uh, I did think he was at his most efficient. Like he was he was a couple of couple of kicks away from it being a really really good game it was a good performance it was just a couple of kicks inside 50 
be that he, he just needed to execute a little bit better. He was getting into the right positions and, and, and getting the ball at the right time. And he kicked three goals, but there were just a couple of little kicks where if he just had to take a little bit more care with it, it could have been a really big game. He could have kicked three and had a hand in another two or three goals. Uh, so th- that's the only thing I'll say about Johannesson. But his semi-final against Brisbane was very good. His preliminary final against Port Adelaide was very good. Now he's had a good practice match here. It's only a practice match, but are we? Maybe we're starting to. Maybe it's starting to click for him. Maybe the penny is is dropped, and we're starting to. He's figured it out almost. Not that the penny. Ha- not, not that the penny is dropped because like he's been a very good footballer for a long time. But maybe things are just starting to click as a half a forward rather than a half back. Perhaps I wonder here because I want to try to find some numbers again on him too in terms of the second half of last season, or at least. Uh, what was it? He had some promising games. We know that last year. It's just a matter of where they were. How did he go? Uh, they, were, it... they were more toward. I think they were more towards the back end of they the They would season. have been. He had some good ones those... at the start, though. The Port Adelaide, admittedly, it's in, you know, early to midway point of the year. The Port Adelaide game, St. Kilda yes. game. Even that yeah. Carlson game really had six touches. You could see something click around there. Yeah. It started to slow down again before picking up speed once more. How concerned are we over the performance, or how or how concerned should we be rather over the performance of Hugo Hagen? Two disposals, no score. With a with a big vacancy with, with Josh Bruce, someone needs to stand up now to suggest that he needs to kick 50 goals and replace Bruce by doing that is unrealistic at best. Uh, two disposals in a game of football is not enough how concerned should we be about this in the long run or do we just sort of say look it's just one match one Mm. match is just a very small sample size let's see let's see a little more before we start making calls in the long run still wouldn't be much to worry about anyhow in terms of the short in, in the short term that's you know the next 12 months potential next 18 months um but we all we still think he's probably not ready in that in that manner. There, the question is, you know, it's a second year key forward. He's going to have to, you know, put himself up into you know, the main key forward role to an extent. You know, he'll be playing full forward, Norse and centre forward. There, he's no Josh Bruce. Okay, not many players are, at least for us. And how we don't have many of that of that caliber that can fit in there. So it's going to be interesting to see how they utilize him because we know his tank's still not right. We know, as Josh Dunkley's apparently mentioned that. Jamara has previously caught COVID, you know, within the last month or so. So his tank has obviously suffered a bit from that. And that's going to, you know, stuff up his aerobic capacity there. Do we I know still think that's his point of difference, though. Oh, do I know when? No, nah, unfortunately. Well, not that I know anyhow. But I'm still trying to wonder, too, because I thought about it last week with his point of difference in comparison to other number one draft pick key forwards that have come through the system. So, you know, we're talking or even just very, very high number one draft picks, at least in the past 10 years, those that people have said that they've sort of, say, struggled to, to come to terms with the game, you know, whether that's a John Patton, whether that's Tom Boyd or a Josh Shackey or along those lines. And he's the only one that well, I would had say... had a lot of injuries. Patton did have a lot of injuries, but he was a man mounted, much like Boyd, and Shackey was probably a bit too agile. Jamara probably at the time, he got on more by via actual smarts and probably his tank at the you know, and then Matt has obviously suffered, as you mentioned earlier today, with, you know, what was it, uh, two separate lockdowns last year, uh, no VFL footy 
no footy across yeah, 2020 yeah, so over there. Too, two so. injuries. But there's none of none of the other players. Two injuries. One of them. No, so there were two injuries, one of which was a concussion. Uh, there were also two separate lockdowns in Victoria, which meant no VFL football. And they took place either side of a buy for foot screen in the VFL where he wasn't going to play either. So he was really struggling to, to get just an opportunity to play, let alone play well. And even when he did kick bags of goals, he's got you know, two guys who were in the top 10 in the Coleman in a side that's in the top two on the ladder. So where there's all this speculation was about how he, you know, there should be real concern over the fact he's not playing is something I didn't quite understand because I don't know where you put him, you leave your forward line too top heavy or you drop someone who doesn't deserve to be dropped or you play him out of position. It just didn't make a lot of sense. Like I, I get it, it's easy to get carried away when a number one draft pick isn't playing football, but there, there was a reason for that. In fact, there were many reasons for that. He's joined a team that played finals the year before and yeah. that doesn't normally happen. You, know, you don't normally join the team that finishes, you know, in the top top eight from a number one draft pick. So, no. And now we've done that twice. So we've picked up, of course, Jamara. And so how, how long? How long do we do we give it until the rumors swell that Sam Darcy is unsettled and wants a trade? Well, for Denver, he's injured. He can't play, but he's not. He's not happy. Yeah, this is this is actually. I was thinking about this with Granger Barras. Let's just go off let's off topic for a minute because um, there's a certain individual that reckons um, Granger Barras is the greatest thing since sliced bread, and, and that, sliced bread's you know, pretty good. Have, Slice bread is pretty good, but Granger Brass has, has got it covered. If he's that good, and the suggestion was that you know the Bulldogs should trade Jamara for Granger Brass, if Granger Brass was that good, why would Hawthorne get rid of him? <laughs> I don't know if any of that's ever occurred to anyone, but I just sort of thought about it the other day. Like, if he's that good, why would Hawthorne trade him? As the same thing, too, you know, regarding trade period, too. Why don't we target this bloke? Well, we need to actually want that. We actually need that player to want to come to us as well. Yes, you, know, you can't yes. just. That would help. That would also help as well. Well, I mean, it didn't stop us getting Trelaw, I suppose. <laughs> That's true. Thank you, Collingwood. Still, oh my. that is that is that is a bit of an outlier. No, no, but uh, to be fair, not every club has Sam Power on their, you know, no, on their board or does, on their list or such. This, whatever word. List manager. Does this season help Jamara fast track his ability? If he, if he's even if he's not playing well. The fact that he's playing, because let's be honest, if Bruce is fit, Bruce is playing, and then Jamara isn't. And then no so one does bats this, an does eyelid this, either, too, I don't Yeah, think. and no everyone is... An well, no, I mean, you're not going to drop someone who, kicked, who would have kicked 50 goals last year. I still can't does this help Jamara long-term, though? I still can't believe we had two key forwards kick, almost kick 50, and it just didn't happen. No. It was meant to happen. It just didn't want to happen. It's uh, going to happen. It will happen. We'll have three key forwards kicking 50. Uh, what do does I think? Does this help Norton long term? Uh, or does it, it helps hinder him? Helps, helps, helps them both, actually. You mentioned Norton, but yeah, it helps Jamar, and it probably ironically helps Norton too, because then they'll be able to build the chemistry together. I've no idea, of course, how many games he's probably going to string Jamar, but if he can get into a, I think if he can have a similar, if he can have a season similar to what Cody Waitman had, I'm not saying he's kicking 30, but if he can at least get to 20 odd goals from, you know, 10, 12, 15 games. I'll take that for Jamar. So is that is that your pass mark? If, Twenty that, goals from twelve if games. He can, if he can, if he can do that, if he can do that, even if he plays fifteen games, I'll be just happy for him to actually have some game time. So I don't think he's, games, he won't be playing fifteen though. I don't think, but I'd love it so, if he would. So is, is your target games or goals then? Like, what's your what's your priority one target for Jamara? Are you saying play fifteen games or, or keep twenty goals? What, what are you sort of saying is the? I'd probably say the, the games. 
I'd probably say the games because he's good enough in the spots there for him too, you know, because no Bruce, who the heck's going to be playing key forward. I know we've got English and Norson there, but, you know, ideally I'd like to have English play more ruck and see how we go there. And if he doesn't, well, you know, then we'll try Shaki. I wouldn't mind seeing if three of those guys work. But Shaki, of course, is now playing down back. So it's 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 a whole can of worms. It's ridiculous. I was I was going to ask you, do, do you if you put on your Luke Beveridge cap and get inventive, what can we come up with if if Jamara is is not the answer? Do we play Shaki? Do we play Stephen Martin forward more? Maybe English? Do we chuck Tim O'Brien up forward? Who knows? But, oh maybe God, O'Brien maybe only has br- career best games against us, but we'll see what happens. Maybe we bring back Billy Gowers. I mean, everything's on the table at this stage. I think about Declan Hamilton too. I still want to see him have that goal <laughs> celebration. I miss that. Oh. It was, it was, it was, it was, all right, well, let's go from, from one end of the ground to the other then. Uh, off the half-back line, I mentioned him a little earlier, Ed Richards looked like a man with a point to prove. Looked, looked really determined. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I said the same thing about Patrick Lipinski this time last year, and now he's no longer there. So you know, mm-hmm. take it with a grain out of salt. Of, out of contract is Ed Richards, isn't he? Or did, no, so he signed it to you, didn't he? He signed it to This is when I had that crack at that Facebook page. That's right. He signed a two-year deal, didn't he? And now it's all coming back to me. Oh, that was yes, a I think he did. Yeah, I think he was out of contract. But he looked he looked good off the half-back flank. He looked like he... Well, let's be That's honest. Right. Half-back is his natural position, despite the fact they sort of play him in a multitude of different sort of areas across the wing and half-forward. Half-back is his go. It's a difficult half-back line to get into, but he... Is very talented. He's got a lot of raw talent, Ed Richards. And, and it's a different point of difference, isn't it, that he has too? In comparison, not just with, you know, good ball skills, which he actually had thir- of his 14 kicks, 13 of them hit the target. So that's, um, you know, delivering the ball at uh, 93% by foot. He went at overall uh, by foot and hand at 94%. Uh, seven contested, 10 uncontested, three marks. We've got four inside 50, so he's moving up and down the ground. Uh, what have we got here? What have we got here? Supposedly, he's had five spoils. And let's add to it with another 419 metres gained. That's a pretty good day at the office. That is. That's that's just the sort of performance that you want. And mm. Luke Beveridge is a massive fan of Ed Richards, we know, because up until last year, Ed Richards played when he was fit. Mm. Pretty much he still played. Career. He still played, what, five? Up until he... Did he get injured again in round 21 or so against Essendon? So he uh, so he suffered that sort of lower leg break against Collingwood in the VFL. So he started the season out of the seniors. And he came back in, I think it might have been for the win against West Coast over yep. in Perth. Indeed it was. He came back in. Yep. Then he suffered a concussion against Melbourne. Uh, and then he might have come mm. back in maybe for one he game. He played the Essendon more. game. That was it. So eight touches from 78% game time. Round twenty-one, and that was it for him. In he terms may of well have, he may well have picked up another knock during the finals. I um, think he just might have training too. or something like that. So you know, let, let's let's be honest. I mean, he he had his fair share of injuries as well. It wasn't all due to four, but he started the year out of the seniors, and that's that's the key takeaway from from last year. I reckon is he started the year out of the senior side, which I think was a was a concern, and he. Worked hard. He, he came back in. They, they, I think he must have won them over with some practice. Uh, I think he won them over with a with a practice match in for the VFL or or practice match at training or something like that. I'm not not 100 sure, but he didn't take too long once fully fit to get back into the seniors. 
And then, you know, he had a few more injuries along the way as well. So it wasn't, didn't really work out for him last year. But he looks like a, a man who's, who's got a point to prove. My question to you, and we'll discuss this more in the, the next episode, does he start in your best 22? Is he there round one? That's an interesting conundrum there too, because I said he is a different defender than what a Bailey Dale is, than what a Caleb Daniel is, and even what a Bailey Williams is. You know, I mean, Williams is more likely of those three guys to be able to play a lockdown role. But the difference is with Richards is that he's still able to probably play one-on-one, yet still be an aggressive footballer. Williams, he either can rotate and be pure shutdown or pure offensive type. And yet for some reason, or somehow, it doesn't seem to affect Richards at all. He still is able to play that offensive style of football, despite you know, having say, you know, he's a bit taller, you know, he's still able to do those types of things, like the five spoils he had on the weekend. I don't think I would have ever seen him do those type of numbers. But uh, let me see if I can find some more things from him. In comparison, again, this is only a practice game, but uh, where is he? Where is he? One percenters for Ed Richards. He's only pretty much averaged 1.59 per game. So that's already probably the career, but even though it's, again, only a practice game, it's an equal career best in terms of his previous performances, which have come actually in his third ever game against the Swans, round three, 2018, and against Hawthorne in round two, 2019, where he both reached five. So that's already put him up right uh, for his own statistical uh, categories, career best in that regard too, and in defensive elements. So it's unique. But the problem is you're right, look, because this is where it gets a bit more interesting as well. There's a lot of back flankers in there. No, there's a lot of back flankers, well. but this is to say where it gets interesting. You're mentioning where does Richards play? The funny thing is, is that we noticed that Bailey Dale was playing, I said, a fair bit higher up the ground on the, during the practice match itself. You know, he was able to pick up a few clearances too, which is pretty unique. You know, for a fellow that's playing down back, we've got two inside 50s, we've got three clearances, we've got a contested mark. Seven score involvements. Generally, you don't get a lot of score. Well, you start the scoring change down back. If you're getting score involvements, generally, you're going to be playing higher up the ground, aren't you, there too? As well as the nine contested possessions. You're not going to be getting a lot of contested possessions down back with the way that we play. So, obviously, he's moving higher up. So, maybe there's a bit of room there, perhaps. For Rich to float float around. Slowly trying to move Bailey Dale back into the forward line. I don't know. At least higher. <laughs> I don't mind him seeing if he's well, he was fantastic last season too, and he shouldn't be. Well, he's, he's deadly, of course, up in the front half. But um, imagine he, he used to play what started off on the wing with us, played forward, but he would have been he was started off a fair bit at least in 2017 on the wing. So that might open yeah. up that spot down back for Richards. We're still trying to find defenders that you know actually defend, but they don't Bailey lose Dale their, on the wing, but they don't lose their defensive edge. And you think remember, Daniel, he started on the... You did. The, there, was, there was a practice match against Melbourne last year. Dale was named on the wing. Indeed. And I like it because he loves to run and carry too. Hmm. I wonder. I wonder. That, that is interesting, actually. That's a, that's a very good point you raised. Now, we'll, we'll discuss the best 22 next week because we received a best 22 prediction from, from probably our, our favourite listener in, in debt uh, on Twitter who sent us their best 22 prediction. And... Put a, clearly put a lot of thought into it and, and had a lot of took and made a lot of notes 
um, based on it as well and, and did request that we spend a bit of time going through it, and we will. Uh, we'll want to make our own contributions to that as well and we'll, we'll do that next week with, with our own best 22 predictions as well once we've both seen another game as well. I think we want to make sure that we get as big a picture as possible before we stick our necks out there. Dad is clearly a lot braver than the both of us, Nick. Uh, and they put a lot of effort into into compiling that team. We want to acknowledge that as well, and we'll we'll do it justice, and we'll make sure to to put together an almighty uh, best twenty two prediction in our next episode next week. So, debt and listeners, stay tuned for that. And of course, if there's any other listeners who want to uh, want to put their reputation on the line and give us a best twenty two prediction, by all means, um, uh, drop a line on Twitter or Facebook or whatever social media channel you use. We'll be happy to. Uh, to have a good look at it on the episode. A few names I want to run through with you here, Nick, uh, that didn't play last week, because we need to look at those as well. So there was uh, no Bailey Smith. It's probably the first game he's ever missed for us. Uh, that sounds about right too, doesn't it? Because yeah. he, got, he got concussed in early 2020 and he still played the next week. He did, yeah. This was before the, the protocols came in. So he and Alex Keith withdrawn uh, due to groin and back soreness respectively. Uh, don't think there's anything major uh, to worry about, but you know, I, I think I suspect if it was, you know, a final, they would play. Uh, but yeah, best to take it easy at this point of the season. Just want to get some, uh, just want to get some time into the legs if you can. But uh, if there's any risk involved, best to just uh, leave them out. Sam Darcy is someone who's going to be left out for a little while. Uh, he's certainly not going to be playing round one. He's probably not going to play <laughs> at all in the first half of the season. Unfortunately, the stress fracture in his foot well, the, uh, is still an ongoing concern. So he's going to be ruled out for the first half of the year, Sam Darcy. And another off-season recruit in Tim O'Brien is in a race against time to be fit for round one. He's picked up a hamstring injury, uh, the off-season recruit from Hawthorne. And uh, some, there was some other news as well. So Toby McLean and uh, Josh Bruce both expected to be back in the side at around August. So they're still a long way away, unfortunately, um, from being back in the senior side. And there were a couple of other minor injuries as well. I'm just going to get those up. I think one of them was involving uh, Riley Garcia, who's picked up uh, another injury. He's going to be out for a little while. Uh, let me just get that up here now. So uh, Riley Garcia has suffered a syndesmosis injury, so he won't be available until the end of March. Uh, Lewis Butler is another, has another, there's another player that's got a hamstring concern. Uh, he probably will miss round one, won't be available for round one, but shouldn't miss, or she'll be back fairly early on in the season. Anthony Scott uh, suffered an eye injury, which is a really nasty one. Um, so he needed to have surgery on that one, but he's looking like he'll be uh, right for round one as well. So a few Bulldogs in the wars at this stage. Um, most of them looking to be back uh, early on in the season, if not round one, um, though. But that was a bit of an update be the night before uh, the, the match against Essendon. So... Some key players, some, some depth players, and a, and a couple of recruits. Fairly fairly mixed bag in terms of calibre of player and, and length of time out. And I've just been looking at a whole bunch of other things too, trying to read a bit more about the players out of contract. I know we're not going to talk about that now, but I've just, just been looking at a lot of different things here. It's pretty unique, a situation. A lot uh, of players out of contract this year. Uh, but, too many, too many. Um, a couple of we've, we reckon are going to commit. Jack McRae, Caleb Daniel. Another one, a very interesting one, is Josh Dunkley. Uh, yes, now, that is a, a very, very interesting one. 
Yeah, so he was asked about his uh, he was asked about his future and where he saw himself playing, and uh, he didn't go so far as to say he wanted to be a bulldog for life. But I've got the quote here. He said, "I think it's obvious. You watch me out here and around the footy club. Everyone's really embraced me and it's been really positive." Uh, now that uh, that's attributed to, to Fox Footy, so that's uh, not a, a completely signed, sealed, delivered, but that's a pretty positive indication, I think. That sounds like he's pretty happy where he is. Yes, and I'm very happy to hear, well, he said it's not proper, not fully on, but it's still better to hear those words said than nothing at all, isn't it? Yes, which is unfortunately what we're hearing with, or not hearing with Tim English at the moment. Mm. So I'll just look Now you can, you can understand my concerns. Mm. Uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. And you'll be uh, interested to know as well that Josh Dunkley's uh, started, just started the second best Bulldogs-related podcast going around at the moment, on and off, with uh, Adam Trelaw. Apparently, they get along pretty well. I don't know, but um, that's what I'm told. Uh, so, you know, once you've listened to our podcast, you can go on and listen to that one too, I suppose. Why not? Oh, why not? It's good to have. Why not? More Bulldog content out there, the better it is, I think. It's what we need for our fans. And we move on to uh, from the men to the women now because there's been a lot going on with the with the women's side this uh, this week. Two games during the week, Nick. Two, not just one. Two. We're going back to 2020 COVID. This point. <laughs> we are. So the first one was up in up against the Gold Coast, 24 points down at three quarter time, uh, and they came back Which to draw. So it's hard enough to do in the in yeah. men's comp. You know, they've been yeah. down at those margins. So yeah, it's a Pretty good comeback in that regard, even though it wasn't for the for the four points. But you know, twenty four points down, most times you'd be losing those games across oh, whether it's men or women. To, and yeah, just yeah, now two points out of that. Pre game you'd be disappointed with only that, but following the said results, you shouldn't you know look, look a gift horse in the mouth. So six five to six five, Morris Dalton and Gutnech. Gutnech. <laughs> I think I'm going to stop there. I, I tried twice. Uh, two goals apiece, Kirsty Lamb and uh, Jess Fitzgerald each getting one of their own. Uh, Blackburn, I think, picked up an ankle injury. She spent a lot of time in the forward line, but she still had 21 disposals. Georgia Stathis with, with uh, oh, sorry, Lamb with 18, Georgia Stathis with 17 disposals. Body too good with 100 seconds to go, had a chance to win the game on the boundary line with the scores tied. She put it out of the full, though. I think she just tried to kick it too hard. That, that's how I saw it, at least. Uh, so missed opportunity there, but terrific comeback all the all the same. So they kept the finals hopes alive, uh, and unfortunately, just uh, on Sunday um, they went down to Collingwood at Victoria Park, ten six to six five again. So the dogs love it. the dogs women's are loving number forty one at the moment. Uh, Blackburn with another two goals to go with eighteen disposals. Again, Fitz playing Darryl, a bit more forward as well too. But Sterile, Hartwig, Lamb, and Morris Dalton, all individual goal scorers. Lamb's been excellent this, this season, actually. She's been very underrated. 21 disposals. Uh, Brown and Guest, 13 apiece. And, and you also mentioned uh, that Gamble picked up a suspension. Was it a, a two-week suspension, did you say? Yes, yeah, so a forceful front on contact uh, by the MRO. So based on the available evidence from the DOGS website, the incident involving Makepite Alicia Newman in the second quarter was assessed as careless conduct, high impact and high contact. It is a first offence and she's been given a two-game suspension for an early plea. What is it? Was it meant to be that it's a three-game suspension brought down to two or what's the point of the early plea if it's going to be two anyhow? 
Well, I think because uh, well, it would make sense that it would be three down to two with an early plea. Yeah, they didn't specify three down to two. I've got no idea, but it's just strange. If that's a first offence, it's a pretty heavy punishment. But I haven't no, seen uh, the incidents as well. So, what? Well, sorry, sorry, Nick. I'll just get you to, to read out the uh, the criteria for me again. Um, like oh, the, what the they've grading, said anyhow. Oh, their grading, grading, yeah. Their grading yeah. was assessed as careless conduct. Yep. High impact. High contact. Yeah, that should be two games. Okay, um, so it's two match sanction with an early plea. Can that be reduced at all by any means? I think the early plea just means. Well, I mean, I'm not sure, but I've got the I've got the grading sort of chart here. Careless, high or careless conduct, high impact, high contact is two matches. Okay, then. Uh, so whether whether that's just whether they just accept the two match sanction, um, maybe the early plea means that they don't appeal it. I'm not. Uh, no, no, maybe no carryover points sure. or such, perhaps. But two games sounds right for a first offence. Hmm. That's good. It sucks, anyways, because we're losing players left, right, and centre, whether it's from injury or from yeah. from them being absolutely cooked and a half by the scheduling. Or COVID. So that game against or Collingwood COVID, was indeed. our was our seventh game in thirty days, which, as you say, really is twenty twenty stuff. That's extraordinary that they're still going and still competing. At that stage, there are still two more games to go as well. So the Bulldogs are, are a game still and a, a chance. half. Still a chance. A game and a half outside the, the top six or the final six uh, with two matches to play. So need to win both of our games against West Coast and Brisbane, which isn't impossible, uh, but we need other results to go our way as well. Collingwood are the only side we can overtake. A win would have been very handy against them, but uh, they've got to play Adelaide and Gold Coast. Uh, you anticipate they, they should be at least, uh, able to at least knock over the Suns. Um, we should be able to beat West Coast. May have a bit of a challenge against Brisbane, but you never know. Oh, um, Brisbane kicked the highest uh, score in the AFLW's history, haven't they? Now with uh, 98. So that's pretty good. How that's a good outing in the men's. That's a good outing in general, kicking you know 15 yeah, goals eight. So uh, yeah, we've got a bit of work to do at that. But uh, no, it shouldn't be troubled too much by the Eagles. I wouldn't think so, even though we're copping it in a, in a COVID sense. Or time frame sense, you know, they're the bottom. Got to, of the got to hold their head. Fine. Got to hold their head up pretty high because uh, they've definitely improved on last season, and they've been put through the ringer with the amount of games they've had to play in, a, in the space of a month. They think about how many games you'd play in a month. You normally play four games a month, roughly, game every week, four weeks in a month, to play almost double that. I mean, that that has to take its toll. I know the quarters aren't as long, but yeah, it, it yeah. They're playing during the summer as well, which has to have some sort of an impact. So they've, you know, they've been yeah. put through a fair amount. Yeah. Seven um, games in 31 days for the last four coming inside 14 days. For reference, yeah. AFL sides, for the men's competition, uh, they can only have one five-day break per season, generally. Yes, yeah, so that gives you an idea on, on how hard it's been. So, And finals are still on the table. So it gives you an idea on just how good they've been this year. I think uh, all signs are pointing to a really positive future. And if you can get if you can get Izzy Huntington right, if, you, if we can keep I her out. Still can't path. believe that happened. That excuse me, but that still pissed me off her copping that knee injury. Yeah, genuinely, it, a, it absolutely yeah. hurts our season right from the get go. And well, whenever you lose your your centre half forward, centre half forward is the marquee. Yeah. Sent half forward this year, sent half back last year in the AA, just you know, a cornerstone of the side. It's not, yeah. not good at all. Once you've got that cloning 
cloning machine working for Norton. We'll uh, we'll use it on Izzy, I reckon. Next. It's uh, I can now probably start to finance it. So we'll see what happens. Oh, beautiful! Oh, excellent! Yeah, I can this finally is, start to this finance. This is huge. Progress, progress is happening. It's taken three years in the making, but it can happen. And this I'll see what I can huge. do. I'll see what I can do in terms of uh, trying to get uh, Josh Bruce back uh, in the next uh, four weeks. So don't, <laughs> don't hold me to this, but we'll see what I can do. All right, all right. We finally got that. We're finally on our way to getting that center half back problem sorted. Excellent. That's that's the sort of news that we like. Right, right, right. Center half back problem solved by putting our key forward down back again. Oh, yes, no. but we've also but we'll also have our key forward in the forward line <laughs> once this cloning machine gets working. Oh, God, just uh, I'm going to like this. This cloning machine will be perfect. Yeah, and then we work it on on Huntington. And then if you're going to get Bruce's Bruce's knee fixed, you can you can work on his as well. Mm, I could also clone Bontempelli. Multi-purpose. Yeah, exactly. This is what we <laughs> Two do. Two birds, one stone. Why not? No, no, excellent. Excellent. Let's get into some off-field stuff now. Uh, we've spoken a bit of off-field stuff already, but there's some stuff that's come through in the last uh, few days, which has been particularly exciting. So for all those Bulldog fans who are at the open training session on Saturday, fantastic to, to be able to, to interact with the players once again. Not that I went, but I'm sure fans really enjoyed it. Unfortunately, I was working. Uh, As you were working, beverage. we were playing cricket here, so that's about it. Yeah, Unfortunate yeah. in that way. <laughs> Floyd Beveridge or, or Chopper Reed, as he's, as he's known as these days, uh, with that mo, the handlebars, confirmed that the club have passed the 40,000 member mark. 40,000 members. Now, they've set a goal to hit 50,000 members this year for the very first time. And I reckon without, with, well, sans COVID, I reckon we would have already done it. I think we're really on track to do it in 2020. Uh, and then obviously it's been a very tough year or a very tough couple of years for a lot of people financially, unfortunately. So some things have, uh, we've had to forgo some luxuries, including membership packages, mm. but it looks as though as a society, we're starting to get back on our feet, which is excellent news. Mm. Uh, and it looks like that mem- those membership numbers are creeping up. Making a grand final helps. Indeed um, it does. You, you get a few more people jumping on board then. Uh, so that's the that's the fifth year. Oh, let me see. So twenty seventeen, we reached forty seven thousand six hundred fifty three, which is our you know best that's haul record, ever. That is our record. Yep. Twenty eighteen, we backed it up with another forty three thousand two hundred forty six. Twenty nineteen, again forty four thousand hundred seventy three. Twenty twenty, obviously things were affected there, and the numbers jumped down to thirty eight thousand eight hundred seventy six before, and moving back up to forty six thousand five hundred forty one. So at least in in that manner, there's been, what, for the past five years, even if you really want to push it for COVID, I'm sure the numbers might have jumped a bit higher. It probably would have been four, uh, five years in a row of 40 plus, okay? And it probably would yeah. have been, again, around the 45 range. This year, we're already at 40,000. Minimum, we'll get to 45. We should be touching 50 this year. Wouldn't that be fantastic? That'd be, that'd be fantastic if we could get to 50,000 members. And just look at really it again. Feel- all this membership numbers, it's, it's crazy how much it's changed from 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 the start of a Rodney Eads tenure. 2005, his first season, we had 21,975. His second year, we jumped up to 26 in a bit. And then gradually from 2010 onwards, it hasn't dipped at all below 30. It got very close in 2012, uh, <laughs> 30,007 people. So there's your 007s, Peter Wright. Uh, that's how close despite, we were dropping. Despite- Despite the Bulldogs' best efforts that year, we managed to get we 30, managed to creep over thirty thousand. So that's for a club like ours. You know, obviously we've got different expectations, and they're starting to, to evolve. 
But you know, this is now the really the 12th year we've touched over 30, and with at least half of those, or at least five of those 12 years, you know, being over 40, and would have been six of those years over 40. That's incredible. But us. if you look at those numbers, the you you say you're having dip below 30, but now that that bar is starting to be oh, it's it's cra- know, it's raised dip, immensely. Dip below, but it's it's starting to be is that bar dipping below 40? That's the main concern. I'm liking these yeah. things there too. Yeah. Beverage so it's, it's about no, trying to push it up to, to getting double eventually, and we'll yeah. see how long that takes. It's probably another. It's probably another two flags away before we can touch a you know at least sixty. You know, there's but other clubs is, that can get there, and we can do it too. This is a this is a this is a very exciting time. This is um this is truly an unprecedented time to be associated with the Western Bulldogs. We're looking at having doubled membership numbers within the past twenty years possibly more. We've made two grand finals in the past six, seven seasons. Uh, we're, we're stronger than we've ever been before on field, off field, and we've got a group of players that are set up for sustained success. This is not a, you know, top four one year and then spend the, the six, seven, eight years either side of the outside of finals and we just spike for one year like we did in the 80s or in the 70s or in the 60s. This is very different now. This is a group that's set up for sustained success and it's got the support off-field to match that as well. 50,000 would be a major statement of just how far this club has come in such a very short period of time. And there's no reason why that number can't continue to climb. This is really exciting. Nick. This, this, there's not been a time like this in the club's history ever. Not at all. This, is, at all. this, is, this is a really, really exciting time. Yep. There's never been a better time to jump yep. aboard. So if you're not signed up, I'm not going to tell you to do it because it's your money, but I would consider it because it's you, there's, a, there's an opportunity here to be a part of something very, very special. Best ever coach we've had, best list we've ever had, best position the club's ever been in. Best player we've ever had. Yep. Get on board, everyone. somewhat debatable, but I'm I'm on board. I believe it. Now, three quarters of the way there. Three quarters of the way. <laughs> speaking of the best player ever, uh, he received yet another accolade uh, at the season launch. Yeah, so Marcus Bontempelli, I mean, it was it was going to happen anyway because you know because he wins whatever awards are on the table except goal of the year. They just do not want to give him that car. And don't forget the rising star. Oh, the rising star. How is Lewis Taylor doing these days? I'm sure. He, I mean, if, if Bontempelli second or Lewis Taylor, Lewis Taylor must be some sort of superstar. Must have invented time travel or something by now. A different parallax, I think. <laughs> Bontepelli has won live membership at the Western Bulldogs, which is fantastic. Thoroughly deserved. And he's not the only one either. There's two others. And uh, he's former vice captain, Lockie Hunter, also a life member and a premiership player. And one of our favourites at the Salty Bulldog, in fact, a fan favourite in general, I would uh, I would argue, Lin Jong, recently retired Lin Jong, uh, also received life membership. Uh, two-time VFL winning premiership. Arguably could have been a two-time Norm Goss medalist as well. Uh, he won it in 2016, and I'll tell you what, in 2014, he, he wasn't far away either. Uh, he would have been a very close second to, to Brett Goods. Mm. Been a really unfortunate career for Lin Jong, but you have to say it's not been without success, thankfully. I like this. There's a bit of love, of course, on Lin Jong's Instagram page from a lot of the players. Tori Dixon, we've got Trelaw, of course. Paddy Lipinski, JJ, Hayden Crazy, the great Fletcher Roberts, and your favourite right there, Sammy Lloyd. They're even getting Lloyd. on it too. There we go. Rowan Smith as well. And Billy Gowers. Everyone's getting he, on the love for 
he, pull in Jong right there, and so they should, to be honest. Jong is one of those players. Yeah, he's a cult hero without real, the actual title, isn't he? He's got a real infectious aura. Everyone just mm. loves and, and is so desperate to see him succeed. Oh god, even Liber- more so, more so than than more so than than most players. Mm. The only thing for Lee Jong now is he's just got to say which foot screen nightclub is he going to go to to celebrate. Well, you can uh, always but, ask. Uh, we'll, you can ask some Shane Biggs for, for some advice there too, particular out in Newport as well. It's, uh, we'll let him figure that out uh, because we're going to sign off uh, for another week at the Salty Bulldog. Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thoroughly enjoyed working with you as I do every other week. As I do here too. To all of our listeners, wherever you may be tuning in, uh, be sure to subscribe to the Salty Bulldog podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else you get your podcasts. And also be sure to download the Footy Live app from the application store uh, or Google Play, depending on what type of device that you've got. It's a great app. And you'll also be able to find the Salty Bulldog podcast episodes through that app under the podcast section. We're really excited to be teaming up with them. And then, of course, there's our social media channels as well. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you want to send us through Best 22 predictions, you're more than welcome to because we're going to go through all of that next week. Uh, I've been Matthew Donald. I've had Nick Galea with me. We've loved having your company. We look forward to seeing you again next week. But until then, take care.